Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to y'all like this. It's gonna be a little inside baseball ball for y'all. Some of you you probably know someone or you love someone or you yourself like the show Friends. There was a show before that called Living Single that was actually Friends that was just with black people. Okay, the Hurt Business is 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 Living Single. Okay, the Bloodline is Friends. All right, so get so so accept that, accept that truth, accept that reality. You had the Hurt Business first, and they were sacrificed for nothing. <laughs> And gentlemen, we welcome you once again to your favorite show, being recorded every 10 days or so, that happens to be about wrestling. Uh, this is Give Me the Book. My name is Mike Alloy. And with you, as always, the El Guapo of professional wrestling commentary and stand-up comedy. Satoyo, guys, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you indeed. Uh, this has been a week, uh, or, you know, a little bit more than that now, since, uh, since we last talked, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, 10 days, as, as we mentioned. And uh, since then, we have had Extreme Rules, which I think seems like a logical place to begin. We also had the WWE Draft. Um, also had a few editions of AEW Dynamite and Rampage. Uh, not the most exciting couple of days in wrestling history. Personally, I'm not really the biggest uh, draft fan. Uh, the way WWE does it, I feel like it's it's since the the original one, or not the original one, the the one that was the brand split that had the pool and everybody was available. Just don't feel like it's ever been done in a way that even remotely resembles what it tries to accomplish. But we'll get into it later. For now, speaking of the, being disappointed with WWE, let's talk about Extreme Rules. Uh, mm-hmm. For my money, this was on its way to being one of the best WWE pay-per-views of the year, one of the best pay-per-views overall of the year, uh, you know, going through a very strong mid-card, just very good wrestling matches that, again, I was excited for the card. I thought the build was good as well. I thought the pacing was good of the show. Um, and I thought they were about 10 seconds away from really pulling off. And then the demon got on top and the rope snapped and we never got an explanation for it. It was bad enough that we thought we were going to get an explanation you know, six days later or five days later, which is a long time to wait for an explanation uh, when the SmackDown happened. Then the SmackDown happened, and the explanation was, do not worry about it, uh, which is quite disappointing. Satorio, what did you think of Extreme Rules? What did you think of the main event? What did you think of all things WWE in the last 10 days or so? I was correct to feel everything that I felt about WWE uh, Extreme Rules. As I said going into it, I was not excited. I did say that I believe that everyone will work hard. That is rarely ever the issue. That's never really the issue in this modern day of professional wrestling. But I did feel top to bottom. Um, they had not really given too many compelling stories that made me want to watch, especially when I knew what the outcome of these stories was going to be. Uh, when you know what's happening and you know why they're doing it and you know that we're just doing this to further uh show someone's dominance well that's that's the top of your card 
So going down from there, I don't really expect too much better. And I can take it from the top. I am happy that Liv Morgan uh, got the show out uh, that sets her up very well for the Queen's crown, I do believe, in her, in her beating uh, Carmella. Uh, I did not like the thrown together concept of the New Day versus Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Omos, simply because this is your WWE champion. And he is all of a sudden on a pay-per-view in a match that literally was put together 20 minutes beforehand. Um, that doesn't really show that we're prioritizing their run properly. And and that's that's not even an arguable point, quite frankly. They put on a good <laughs> match. Because it's because, it's, because it's, Roman it's, was off the pay-per-view before. He was off it, it, behind it, it, the yeah, pay-per-view. And in, in the last second decision to put him on SmackDown and Big E just headlined Raw in a cage match, the same way that Roman did. So I, I you can't in the same in the same breath. No, 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 hold, not, hold on. Hold, hold on. Stop, stop. No, 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 no. Hold on. Here's why. Because right now what you're doing is you're talking about the future. You're talking about, oh, he main evented the cage match against Lashley. That hadn't happened yet. I'm talking about extreme rules. You're talking about the next night. I'm talking about Sunday. You're trying to talk about Monday. So I'm saying in this regard, not advertised whatsoever, thrown together at the last minute. Very, very fun match. But again, if you're and again, didn't like the ending in so far as Lashley losing, because if you're going to beat him the next night and you're going to build the show around beating him, then why beat him on this when AJ can easily eat that loss? Because that's Agreed. what he's been doing. Agreed. So there you have that. Uh, the uh, Usos versus Street Profits. Like I said, I figured it would be excellent. It was. Um, the Usos are just amazing. And well built. Well built. Yes. By the way. Yeah. And the Street Profits are great. Um, Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss was there. It was a solid match for what it was. They're taking Alexis off TV apparently for a few months. So uh, that was that. I mean, there's and, not and, too much to say. Yeah, I, I just want to give them a little bit extra credit. I think they always work well together. Neither one of them, especially Alexa Bliss, is not thought of as somebody who is a good wrestler. I think she's a little underrated. I think those two, and they had a really, this is their second time I think they had a match that uh, exceeded most people's expectations, or at least mine did, because I thought that this was a good match. And I thought they had a match in uh, 2017 Survivor Series that I thought was, like, very good, kind of caught me by surprise. Um, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully this means Alexis Bliss's uh, character is going to go through a major change now that her doll has been ripped apart. And hopefully, again, I understand this was popular. It sold some merch. I think most of us, people who listen to this podcast, people who do this podcast, not a huge fan of that character. So hopefully that character is over and done for. So, yeah, you have that. Then you had uh, Jeff Hardy versus uh, or you had Damian Priest rather versus Jeff Hardy and Sheamus for the United States title in a triple threat match. I thought this was a very physical battle. I thought it was clunky a little bit at times, um, but not in a way that it took away from the match because I did not expect it to be an all out classic. I thought Sheamus was excellent. Uh, I thought, again, Jeff Hardy is just too damn over to not do anything with him. So, you know, I mean, it was like, what, a month ago, all of a sudden he was chasing down the 24-7 title. And thankfully, they came to their senses and be like, this is a waste of a all-time great talent. And he was the most over person in the match, which is understandable. It's Jeff freaking Hardy. Um, and I thought, you know, uh, obviously it went the right way with Damian Priest picking up the win in a very, very competitive affair. Um, they did a lot of cool things, especially playing into the idea with WWE and their idea of the triple threat match that there can be no disqualifications. Um, and that like, you know, Jeff Hardy got to the ropes during the Cloverleaf, but that didn't mean anything. And the, and the commentators got to point that thing out. I thought that was very solid. Uh, and it was fun, uh, even in the moments and the guys were professional enough that even in the really clunky moments, they did not 
lose their place or lose their confidence in what they were doing, which I yeah. think oftentimes is the most important thing. And credit to Corey Grace for calling uh, impromptu. Uh, what was the movie? Uh, Sleeper Dragon, right? It was clearly a botch on uh, yep. on Twitter. The Dragon, Fl- yes. That's yes. right. And, and Corey Graves is like, wow, wow, this he's putting him in the in the dragon sleeper hold. And yeah, so good on that. Good on everybody for making it look good. Yes, and that is that is wildly important in those types of situations. And then you had Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. And as I am seeing here, uh, for the SmackDown women's title, I thought uh I thought that this was a DQ win for Bianca Belair. But as I'm seeing, it was ruled a no contest. (laughs) So that is mighty interesting, especially when you consider the fact they put on a very good match only to have Sasha Banks run down and attack Becky Lynch first or, you know, and, and thinking that, okay, well, fuck, this is obviously a DQ win for Bianca, I get Bianca yeah, gets at least yeah, the yeah, W yeah, on paper. Yeah, Bianca yeah. had Becky Lynch in the position for the, the kiss of death. A v- very well protected move, by the way. Yes, very uh, much so. And yeah, when she when she had on her shoulders, uh, Sasha Banks interfered with the match and kicked Bianca Belair. So yeah, it should be Bianca Belair winning by DQ. But they've no contest in it, so that's mighty interesting. Um, we'll see what those two do on Raw, I guess. Um, that, that's all that really I can say there. And then, of course, you have the main event. Roman Reigns defeats the demon uh, Finn Balor by pinfall in 19 minutes and 45 seconds for the Universal title. I thought it was a good Extreme Rules match for what it was. I think my favorite part of the match was Roman putting on a mask while going into the audience, which, again, to me, on uh, if I, I don't care. That's good heel shit. I will say that. It's very good heel shit. Number one. Number two, we're still in a global freaking pandemic. Number three, he is immunocompromised. So it all makes sense uh, in, so in doing that. And uh, he got to sort of play into that a bit. Um, but uh, I don't think he got the reaction that they wanted. It got a reaction, which WWE will always say, well, that's what we care most about. No, you don't. You care about the right reactions. Uh, but uh, the match was fine, and it was very, very good. And then uh, I thought that they played into things well. I appreciate the callback of uh, the demon kicking out of a spear while uppercutting, you know, low uh, Roman Reigns. I thought that was a really cool and good comeback. I did appreciate the fact that he had him beat and the Usos ran down. These are things that I can always appreciate. The issue with it is it'll never be talked about again in that same way after this week. And that is the problem you have because they're all they're going to sit there and say is the dominance of Roman. No one has been able to stop him. Whereas you could clearly say he's been our most dominant champion by hook or by crook. He finds a way to hold on to the title. They rewrite history every time. And I think it does a disservice to the people that he beats because those people still have to maintain value afterward because WWE's put themselves in an interesting position where they have no protagonist that is comparable to this man. And if he is your main antagonist, you need a pro. Well, they have one. They have one right now. Who? Brock. No. No, because we know why Brock's there. I mean, we know why we know why Brock is there. So that's not even a thing. He's going to be gone well, after Brock Crown Jewel, up, especially this you know, on his second tour. It's just the most, you know, a guy who can beat anybody at any point. Just the most, the most. Uh, I mean, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's cute. <laughs> this is all cute. This is all. No, cute, I, I don't think see, he's winning either. But yeah, but we see how they build towards this thing. You have no protagonist that is comparable to this man, and you appear intent on not creating a protagonist that is comparable to this man, or building them up, or building that protagonist up. Uh, appropriately 
Uh, the end sequence was what it was, and uh, we got through it. Yeah, and I think this was with the the slight disagreement was that I was a, I was a huge fan of everything that was happening right up until the end. I thought one of the best looking spears just ever, as far as like you know, spear Hall of Fame, put it right next to the gore through the SmackDown stage of uh, with that Rhino dinner and Chris Jericho. Um, that spear through the barricade. I mean, I know it's you know not the first time we've seen it, but it just never looked as good in my opinion. Um, and then you know the demons rebirth. Like I said, I thought. Um, WWE did a good job of fleshing out and making the demon character more interesting, you know, because at, up to this point, the demon was just a guy. Okay, he is just paint and, and an entrance. It doesn't really change the way that Finn Balor wrestled. It doesn't give him any any powers. It's just, okay, it's an outfit. You know what I mean? And now for there to be something more than just obvious blatant attempt to, to, to market stuff, but actually like a, a more fully fleshed out character, I thought that was great. And I thought, wow, what a way to actually win the title right then like finn i uh, they made me believe for that one minute that finn was gonna win um and for it to come down to a freak accident that i think the guess they're just gonna explain with divine intervention is is such a cheap cop-out and so lazy i quite frankly i hate it um uh, and it, it really did bring down as they would with the live crowd you could hear the the air go out it it did with me as well and at the very least i thought okay well maybe on friday we'll at least use it to Built to something else. Maybe you know you could you could have explained it with Seth Rollins cutting the ropes, right? It, it makes sense, right? Seth Rollins cost Edge the title because he was wasn't next in line. He could cost Finn Balor the title. You could have a fun Edge, uh, sorry, uh, Seth Rollins Finn Balor feud for the next couple of weeks. They're both good together. We've seen them have bangers for a while now, uh, and it's time for them to do absolutely nothing with it. Is really really upsetting. Um, and of course, not to mention if Finn Balor wins the title at that point. I mean, you have, again, you just made the demon as, like, the character. And it's so easy. You can win the title match. You book a rematch with, you know, again, Finn Balor cannot challenge demon because he doesn't control the demon. The demon controls him. He loses it five days later on SmackDown. And yeah. Yeah, but we know that they're not going to do that because Roman Reigns has to break the record of Brock Lesnar and become the longest reigning champion in universal title history, uh, potentially going on a two year run. And again, here's the issue that I take with them finally choosing to explain the, the demon character. They had years to do this. They had years to do that. It's their own laziness. It's their own inability um, to really invest time properly into multiple characters, not just one at a time uh, that sort of led them, them to this position. So while they're talking about the, the demon character and they're bringing up all these things and try to flush out this character more, you know they're only doing it to then further continue the greatness of Roman Reigns. It has nothing to do with the demon, even so much as they didn't even talk about it on Friday night. They just sort of left it alone. So a lot of people that were trying to know they made the demon character more interesting. No, they didn't. They're not going to reference it. They may have talked about it in the moment and they may be able to call it back again. Should Finn ever, oh, the demon, he doesn't control the demon. The demon controls him. That was all for Roman. That was literally all for Roman. So when Roman won, it was like, oh, look at Roman Reigns. He could come back from anything. It wasn't for the sake of building up that character. They had years to do that. And they made the conscious choice not to. They made the conscious choice to have Finn Balor dress up in face paint and then just show up to the ring every now and again and beat someone in 90 seconds. I, 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 my only explanation would be I think I'm a little bit less cynic than you are in the sense that I think the reason why it happens is because you finally had a competent writer in the room, which is Paul Heyman. And as we know, he has a big input into all of his stories. So I don't think it was, okay, let's build him up just for Roman to crush him. It was Paul just asking questions and be like, okay, he's a demon, but so what does that mean, though? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, which is what we've been asking this whole time, but just you didn't have somebody in that room, I guess, who, or at least with enough authority that Paul Hamer, I think, at this point commands uh, to ask those questions. So either way, I'm I'm happy we got fleshed out character. I, I'm upset that he didn't capitalize on it and create a moment and really, like I said, I think uh, this pay-per-view Extreme Rules is going to be forgotten as just like, oh, this was fine for what it was, a decent pay-per-view. And I think it could have been one of the year's best if if Finn Balor wins the title. I feel like then you have just you know, just an amazing moment. You really kind of cement the the demon as like one of those forces, one of those forces that's on on the level and better than Roman Reigns on the level of Brock Lesnar, right? And they, yeah, they, they could have. They, they could have. They could have because in WWE, it's actually EFR, everything for Roman. So, I mean, you could, in theory, you could do all those things. You're not gonna, though. So, it just, it's, it, and again, is it a cynical viewpoint to the listeners that are listening to me right now? It is a cynical, is it a cynical viewpoint or is it just the viewpoint of what we've actually seen? All I'm saying is what's happening and using deductive reasoning <laughs> because they have given me such an ample sample size to show me this is what we're doing. I said on the last podcast, we are beating the demon. <laughs> and again, here's the waste of it. This is why, again, you didn't need to beat Finn Balor on regular ass TV. You could have done anything else and then you could have beat the demon. But no, we have to beat Finn Balor twice as a regular man and as a demon. When realistically, especially if you're going to move the guy, give him something instead of just beating him the entire way. But you know what? It's everything for Roman. And it this, really and I not, want to make clear I, I, to, I to the, again, to the I cannot argue with you. And again, you beat him, and then you you really just kind of forget about it, like you pretend as if, well, you you didn't have one of your weirder standings and in, in, in forever, you know. What I mean, and anything that really requires an explanation, you give none. Um, and there and with no follow up. For what it's worth, we do hear so the rumors from uh, the draft. Obviously, uh, Finn Balor got drafted to Raw. They're saying that he's going to be put into the Drew McIntyre role. Uh, where, you know, I guess that means he's going to be uh, around that permit card, look very dominant, uh, presumably challenge for a title, maybe even win at some point. So that's good, I, you know, uh, that he's at least he's going to remain, you know, like I said, a, a prominent superstar. But uh, just overall, just again, I'm obviously not not extremely happy with how they've been booked. And I think, again, they had something they could have done, that some especially could have done. They kind of bungled it. Yeah. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um and now, yeah, let's move on to to the WWE draft that uh, concluded last night on uh, on the on Raw. Like I said, never been a huge fan of these things because they don't the 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 part of of the fun is to see right the the draft or the priorities of the the executives that were the priorities you know shows you how the companies uh, involved whether it's TV or WWE itself see their superstars. Um, it doesn't really, it may matter much less because we don't know the pool of talent going into it. Like we didn't know who was going to be available to even be drafted on, uh, on Thursday and on, and on Monday and also, or on Friday, sorry, and on Monday. And then furthermore, we do not, you know, the, the draft picks are made so that clearly they're not trying to get the most value. Like all the, the reality of it, right. That draft is supposed to be kind of like a peek behind the curtain. Like, Hey, here's what we really think of them. Well, you break it because why won't you just draft the New Day? Like, clearly, there's more value in drafting New Day than drafting Big E by himself, just logically right. speaking. Right. Uh, so, and, and they always do this. They never execute it well. There's, they never have any fun with it. There are rarely any trades or, or you know, any uh, one-up, one-upsmanship on one another, which is weird because this time, 
And they should be doing it. There are actually stakes in place, right? Because you have you do have executives from Fox and executives from NBC. Um, and you can, you know, have like your TV executives just, find, you know, hire some independent actors to play them. There's just more fun you can do with it. There's more reality you can do with it. There's some stakes you can do. And they kind of choose to do none of it. Uh, so the draft for me past few years just have not been too much fun. It's not, not something I anticipate. Um, I thought the episodes around the draft were fine. I mean, it had some good wrestling. Um, but overall, not much home to write about. And like I said, to me, it was the, the, the last point I was going to make is that it's really upsetting because SmackDown, for my opinion, is still overall probably the best show of the year so far uh, on wrestling-wise on a week-to-week basis. Uh, but Raw has really gotten some momentum with Big E becoming a champion. I thought past three episodes of Raw has been actually good and not just like good for Raw, but like actually good when compared to majority of wrestling shows. There was They had some momentum. And now, of course, you know, you have this reshuffle, which is, uh, going to change a lot of things, and also on top of it, we just had a raw episode that wasn't super crazy about outside of the draft. Um, so, Tori, what takes you about the draft and overall uh, TV that we that was presented to us? The draft has value in that it can like you have to you have to send Finn Balor somewhere, you have to send Kevin Owens somewhere because you've done such a fantastic job of devaluing them. Quite frankly, you've done a fantastic job of devaluing them. Uh, not burying them or anything like that. I won't be that dramatic in the language, but you've definitely helped their stock go down because you've given and you've bankrolled and you mortgaged everything for one person. So you have to send them somewhere. You do actually have to send them somewhere, give them a fresh clean slate. And then you need to take people like Drew McIntyre and put him on SmackDown so that he can then be devalued for Roman Reigns. So you have to keep this cycle going. Uh, I do appreciate the idea of switching things up a bit. I think the execution is always not uh, stellar. Uh, it's always half-hearted. They try to be half-pregnant with too many things. Uh, there are no trades after the fact that they used to do. Um, but, you know, it's always a worry. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. The draft has always been a worrying thing for me because I'm like, where's my favorite? Who are my favorite superstars and where are they going to go? Because if they're going to go to the brand I don't want them to go to, I know that means that they are to be sacrificed for whoever the company deems the top person. Right. So when you had a draft, when Triple H was the champion and your favorite wrestler went there, that was the worst thing that was going to happen, because all that meant was they were eating a pedigree. So Drew McIntyre beating Drew McIntyre. I love Drew, but guess what? He's going to lose to Roman again like he lost to Roman last year. At least last year he was a champion. This time he just gets to lose with to Roman while holding a sword. That's the only difference now. So so that's the element that you have there. Um I do. I want to make this very clear. The best wrestling show in professional wrestling is not on any WWE programming. They showcase wrestling the least of any uh, minute to minute. They have the least amount of wrestling. So if you like professional wrestling, in all likelihood, you're watching other shows that actually give you more actual in-ring wrestling bell to bell. Having said all of that, I thought, and again, I want to give credit to Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley was a heel champion who interacted with so many moving parts within within raw you know and he got them through a lot of lean times um i thought they had a good monday night after extreme rules again this is why i'm like there's a couple problems they started off with a really hot banger and bobby versus big e um but now then you just do stupid stuff all of a sudden big like all of a sudden you know freaking bobby's about to win the title also bobby lashley uncrowned ww champion let's be clear about that you should have been champion uh but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have you have Cedric and Shelton come out wearing her business shirts. So this guy who dumped both of them then proceeded to beat the crap out of both of them multiple times. Or they come back 
it makes them all look stupid. It makes them look dumb. There's no explanation for it. And of course, Bobby spears him. New Day runs in. <laughs> New Day runs in because their man is being some heel shit. I can appreciate all then to do it in the cage and to have uh, uh, have Bobby lose to Biggie in the cage. Which to that I say that's fine. Why to have him lose Sunday? You sh- you didn't need to do that. You could have let anyone else take that and then had that thing mean more on Monday because the moment that you beat him on Sunday and then they cut their little backstage vignettes where Bobby's like, I want a shot at the title. I'm like, my man's just beat you in the ring. And then Biggie's like, oh, you could get the shot at the title. And I'm like, you beat man's in the ring with your finish clean, nothing. I So I knew, oh, we just going to beat him again. And we go, oh, he finally caught, he already did it. What the fuck? <laughs> so, um, so yes, uh, they're trying their best, especially on Raw, which I can't appreciate, uh, which is very, very necessary for Raw, given that it's three hours. Uh, the draft in and of itself, again, Bianca Belair goes to Raw. That's cool. Becky Lynch goes to Raw. That's cool. Charlotte Flair goes to SmackDown. Even less of a reason to watch SmackDown. That is excellent. Uh, so, you know, they're moving things as they're moving things. Dirty Dogs get to go to Raw. Maybe that helps them. Probably doesn't. But, you know, they're shaking things up. So we gonna see what happens. Yeah. Uh, let me just say a few more things since we're talking about Raw uh, after Extreme Rules. That's Raw that happened nine days ago. Um, we saw Burning Hammer on Raw uh, as Edge Styles and Riddle had an amazing match. And uh, Damian Priest and Sheamus also had probably the match of the night, which is actually saying something on that Raw because there were between Big E and, and, La- and Lashley having two good matches, one of them ending in the queue. As I mentioned, AJ Styles and Riddle having an amazing match. And then Damian Priest and Sheamus having the match of the night was very, very impressive. Um, so, yeah, so which is why, again, I thought that was a great Monday Night Raw. Um, to your point on uh, the Her Business re- reuniting, I don't I don't think they, they made them look any worse because the value of Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander has been reduced so much already. I mean, they were very clearly told that once once the Her Business broke up that the WWE has no plans and absolutely does not care for these two individuals. Um so just to see them, for them, it doesn't matter. Like, you can do whatever you want with them. As long as they're seen near the main event scene, their stock goes up. Because they've just done absolutely nothing with them in between. Do you know what I mean? So I agree I agree with you that that wasn't the way to do it. You could have had it done better. You could have had, you know, Bobby Lashley just actually just ask them. to be like, hey, I fucked up. I need your help. Just do that. Something as simple as that. And actually, and, and, and show that, hey, they, they or, want to offer value. As, or, as opposed or, to them just kind of being like coming back with the tails behind their legs, or, or even better, just not break them up, or even well, better, yes. that would be ideal. Or, or yeah, or, or even better, just not. This was a bad idea. Yeah, I think everybody or, knew, and yeah, I don't know why it was done. It was done because it was getting over in a in a way that Vince didn't anticipate. It had to have gotten over in a way, but it's like why they were actually getting booed. Unlike the Bloodline, the Hurt Business was getting booed. So again, and they were cool, but they were getting booed which was the point. So you could have actually just kept them together. Oh, hey, Bobby doesn't need anyone. He's a, he's a badass. But Roman needs people. R- but Roman gets to have people. Is it because the Hurt Business was first, which it was, and it was cooler, which it was? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you take away one because they're do- – because, okay, I'm going I'm to put it to you all like this. It's going to be a little inside baseball ball for you all. Some of you, you probably know someone or you love someone or you yourself like the show Friends. There was a show before that called Living Single that was actually Friends 
that was just with black people. Okay. The hurt business is, is, is living single. Okay. The bloodline is friends. All right. So get, so, so accept that, accept that truth, accept that reality. You had the hurt business first and they were sacrificed for nothing. So you bring them back. Cool. But their stock has gone down, especially since big E could have cashed in the money in the bank contract and done that, not just in spite of Bobby Lashley, but in spite of the hurt business, it would have made it a much more special and significant moment. Because even Biggie himself has said, yeah, if I cashed in on Roman, that would have actually meant more because of how you pushed the guy. You could have actually put an actual rocket ship towards Big E's behind even more so if you had the Hurt Business together as a stable faction to do such a thing. But now you bring the Hurt Business back together. Why? To feed them all to Goldberg. Fuck out of here. Yep, that's that's exactly what it is. You need, to, you need, they need bodies. I will say this, though, and then we're going to talk about the, the one thing. If, if there was a bright spot, because again, uh, if you can tell, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, WWE's booking since Extreme Rules, even with a good Raw. And again, and the good Raw, mostly because of the matchups, not necessarily any story. So I am kind of excited for the 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 Crown Jewel pay per view, which is my first time. I usually don't even watch these pay per views. I think I might have to watch this one. Um, this one looks good. I mean, I think they did a solid job building. Uh, to Drew McIntyre was his uh, Big E at Crown Jewel at on 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 Raw last night. Uh, I I hope it, it. We'll see what happens, right? Because obviously they're going yeah. in different brands. Yeah, hey, take so, a loss on take a loss on your way out. It'll be good right. for him. Which which sucks because I think you could have told an interesting story there with Drew slowly, you know, kind of starting out you know, out of respect and have Drew slowly turn heel. Just because I think you might have reached kind of. I mean, you don't have to turn him heel. It's not like he's not over the crowd anymore. But I just feel like on TV and watching it, I think. His character kind of peaked. So I think you could make him a little bit more interesting, give him a little bit more killer instinct, have him start doing heel stuff because he wants to, to win the champion. So that's pretty exciting. Either way, we're not getting it. Um, so I think it's going to be a regular match on uh, on Crown Jewel. I am excited to see Goldberg, actually, and uh, and Bobby Lashley go at it, I think. And again, and if you don't just have – if it doesn't matter to you what they're going to do with Goldberg, you don't want to see him in the ring anymore, I get it. I don't knock you for it. I understand. I understand because of his history. Of uh, I understand because of the previous booking decisions and, and years of him. I think the story they're telling with Bobby Lashley is the most compelling Goldberg I've seen in quite a while. And I think um, he's actually been solid on the promos, probably doing the best promos of his career. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think no holds barred. And I think it's a match that can go either way. And thank God it's not for a championship. So, oh, I mean, you know, we, know which, we, know, we, we know which way it's going. We know which way it's going. Let's not do this. It, it is a Goldberg for whatever reason, they are so obsessed with the idea of Goldberg winning. And they're like, okay, well, he's got the title. And I knew when Lashley retained, I was like, they got to take this thing off of him because he's got to, he's got to repay this favor for whatever reason. He's got to repay this favor to this man, but they know they can't put the title on him. Well, you don't got to give this dude's not here. You don't got to do no shit like that. It should be Lashley making that man pass out in the hurt lock, but it won't be. It'll be spear jackhammer. And they'll probably spear every damn member of the Hurt Business, too. Never, no, that's possible. That is possible. I hope I hope you're wrong, but I think you might be correct. Um, are you excited at least for Roman or Brock, or you don't, you don't even care? No, I'm not excited. I know, okay. I know exactly what. Again, here's the thing. And again, here's the thing. Okay, if we're going to talk about these things, like I need to make this clear because people are, oh, you're such a negative Nancy. No, I just, this, is, this has been five years. 
It's been five years of this. So you can't tell any different story with this guy that you haven't already told. The only way you're doing it now is that he's a heel. I expect the match to be some derivative of what I've already seen from them. So it's much like him and Cena. I've seen this. In fact, I've seen Roman and Brock more times. So, I mean, I, I believe it'll be a good match, but am I like pumped and over the moon for it? No, because like I say again, they have no comparable protagonist that already exists and they appear unwilling to create a comparable protagonist for their main villain. If you're not willing to do that from a professional wrestling perspective, listen, Big Van Vader was a monster and you needed comparable protagonists that had a shot to take him over. You needed a Ron Simmons. You needed a Sting. You needed a Ricky Steamboat. You needed those guys that like he could get him. But with Roman, it's not that. It's just he's just going to win all the time. So what so what can you do? Because you're not building up anyone to even come close to 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 being you're investing everything you can into him. You have a two hour show that is specifically mostly dedicated to him. So you're not creating any. Pro, you're not. You're not. It's not like you had a Steve Austin and you based the heel around him. No, you said your heels, the top guy. So then I don't believe any I don't believe anyone is going to beat the man until until when you had that in Big E, but you chose to be half pregnant with him. So, yeah, I, I can't argue with you. I'll, I'll only point out that, I mean, so far, whatever you call it, it appears to work. I mean, again, I think SmackDown has been when I mean, I mean, you disagree, my disagree. The best sports entertainment wrestling show, whatever you want to call it. It's the uh, best sports entertainment show in, on all of TV. It's not the best wrestling show because it, it showcases the least amount of actual wrestling bell to bell. But it's a tremendous sports entertainment show. It's the best. It is the best version of Vince McMahon's vision of what sports entertainment should look like. Fair enough. And that's, I don't think, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even think that's a bad thing. Cause it's no, still no, no. A I, 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 I just said, I, I think that's a high praise to be quite honest. Um, yeah. And then lastly, we have the, the on crown jewel we have coming up. We have the built to Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Um, started to get a little bit tired of this off of Bianca Belair getting screwed out of wins. Which has been again, we see an extreme rules, and that was cool. Actually, I, I thought the match had a great ending. I thought it was perfect for what it was. Hard for a match. You have Sasha Banks come in, so nobody's disappointed by the DQ because oh my god, Sasha Banks is back. So you, you know, you kind of balance it out. Uh, since then, you had uh, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. They had a good match with SmackDown, uh, in which uh, Becky Lynch interfered and caused uh, Bianca to lose. Then we had another match. I guess Bianca Belair actually won by DQ. At least that's the latest ruling on uh, she beat um, uh, Charlotte Flair by disqualification again with Becky Lynch interfering. Um, again, this is all to build to the triple threat between Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, and Becky Lynch. I'm very excited for that match again. I think it's going to be a, a banger of a match. Uh, I guess Sasha Banks should win, I'm assuming, right? Because, oh no. Oh, she's on so it, has to be no, so it will be one of the raw. Well, yeah, yeah, right. So it's either Bianca Belair or, or more, more likely Becky Lynch retaining the title, uh, probably by beating Sasha Banks. Um, well, we, but again, I, I, I'm at least enjoying the build. And again, I think those three, um, when people say WWE doesn't make stars, that was the point I was going to make. I think they kind of overlooking their female division because all of them are have been pretty recent additions, relatively speaking, uh, to the roster, at least within, I would say, the last five years. And all of them are now mainstream stars who can main event uh pay-per-views and you know again i think the idea that uh yeah there is just no women's division that's that's comparable to what wwe have um and again i think they've done 
a good job of, of elevating Bianca to the level where she's in the ring with Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. She doesn't feel out of place or like like the third biggest star of the three of them. Yeah, they just uh, <clears throat> hopefully they keep on that trail. We've seen them bungle before. Hopefully they continue to do. I mean, put her in the right direction, you know, hopefully, um, you know, but we've seen them bungle it enough times before for the sake of other people who didn't need the rub anyway. Uh, we've seen them do it with Oscar. We've seen them do it with Rhea Ripley um, stars that they just really have kind of like, you know, you were, they were half pregnant with. Yeah. We gave you the title, but you weren't the person, you know what I'm saying? So hopefully in the future they can find a way. And, and again, they can still very much do it with Bianca. Cause if she's supposed to be your top number or you're going to build the thing around her, she does need to be like beating people. Um, but you know, she does need to win. Yes. She got a win by DQ, but yeah, no, she's I agree. Not, she's she's a baby face. With that finisher. Yeah, be, beating Charlotte Flair does nothing to hurt Charlotte Flair. I don't understand why we're so obsessed with protecting Charlotte Flair. Like, I don't, I don't get it. She's champion. Every time she loses the title, she's the champion again inside of 90 days. I don't, I don't understand what this obsession is with protecting her. You could easily beat Charlotte Flair and it not mean anything. That hurts Charlotte Flair, but helps Bianca. She, if she's supposed to be your top babyface of the division, guess what? Your top babyface got to win or the audience starts to lose faith. That's how this works. And in the company, WWE will do this double speak. Well, they'll say wins and losses don't matter. And they'll ensure that certain people just go on crazy runs where they just never lose for like over a year plus. So when they say things like that, they're being disingenuous. Wins and losses do matter, especially for a babyface. That you want to put up on that pedestal. 100% agree. It is weird that, you know, WWE has always been thought of as the, or at least, you know, stereotypically as the babyface company. Um, and, you know, right now, obviously, the biggest star is is, is a heel in Roman Reigns. So just very, very interesting booking uh, over there. Um, I think that we have enough. anything else you want to add on WWE? Uh, I'm excited for King of the Ring and Queen's Crown. That if you want to talk about, so, so don't let it never, don't let it be said that Satoyo had nothing good to say about WWE. I've always loved the King of the Ring tournament since I first saw it in 1993, although the tournament was around before that, actually going back into the 80s. And Queen's Crown is a new concept that I'm very, very excited for as well. I wish they chose to do these things annually because so long as no one is wearing a fucking crown at the end of this thing is their new gimmick because realistically it's supposed to be an annual tournament that helps someone out that builds a star. And hopefully they can do that and use it as that, as opposed to using it like something stupid where, you know, all of a sudden you had King Seamus, King Barrett, King Corbin. And, and, and thankfully, King Corbin was terrible. That was the best thing that he's ever done, but your taste in, in most wrestlers is terrible. Uh, King Corbin was awful, uh, but Baron Corbin is talented. That I will say. So, uh, but hopefully it doesn't wind up being one of those situations. Let the person just be the king of the ring and let that be that and then elevate them that way as opposed to putting a crown on them, which is death for a lot of these guys. That shit made Wade Barrett quit the business. How do you screw up Wade Barrett, for goodness sakes? I, I don't think it was that. I think it was the injuries that compounded. To be honest, with you. Uh, it was it was that he speaks. Like, he does speak like I was burnt out of that stuff. Yeah, he was injured. He was banged up, but they all were. You can be banged up, and if you being treated right, then you're good. But he was King Barrett. Just he was bad news. Bad news was over, and all of a sudden we make him King Barrett, which is less cool. And all of a sudden he's not over no more. And they knew what they were doing when they were doing it. Agree to disagree on that one. I I, I don't know. I don't you're think incorrect. Anything. 
Fair enough. Um, Histor- historically, historically, listen, I'm, I'm also from bad news to, Barrett to King Barrett did not. I help don't him. think historically. I don't think. I, I, you're right. This used to be made. I have. I'm excited for it because I think we're going to see some cool matches that have some stakes to them. I don't. I think at most we're looking for a new Mythcard guy just because. Yeah, which is totally. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm just, I, just, I just don't. I wouldn't expect the next King of the Ring to be a WWE champion like six months later. Like it's not money in the bank. You know, I mean, money in the bank is the hey, this is the next guy we're pushing. Royal Rumble winner is the, you know, it's it's a lot of things. Royal Rumble can be used for to advance whatever storyline. Um, this is hey, this is something to do. Give some match, give matches stakes, and then here's your next guy who might win like an IC title over the next three months, which is fine. Like, which again, I, I agree with like, you. I think this prep could find. And what I would argue for historical context, the King of the Ring has been proven. Now, the King of the Ring was eventually discontinued as a pay-per-view because it had low buys. But it should have been kept as a tournament to then just, you know, end at a particular pay-per-view. The King of the Ring has produced, Bret Hart was already established, but it helped keep him relevant. It produced Hunter Hearst Helmsley, produced Stone Cold Steve Austin, it produced Brock Lesnar. So it has actual real value if used properly. Um, that well, comparably, that comparably, that comparably, that they bungled. They that, it had, yeah, it had it. So comparably, I think you can get a person over more that way than you can long term. From what I've seen thus far, with the money in the bank, this is not to say the money in the bank doesn't help out a lot. It's how they choose to use it and then use the t- the, the the person that cashes in that title. I think with King of the Ring, you build it up appropriately, you build someone up appropriately, you'll have a star, uh, and you can't do it. It's just you know, like you say, they bungle it. So. Yeah, again, we'll see. I, I have no problem with, again, I, I think you even should explicitly go, hey, the winner gets a shot at U.S. title or IC title. Give those titles a little bit, a little boost, although, I don't know, I think the, the, the both titles are doing strong right now. I mean, Damian Priest, I am really enjoying his reign as the U.S. champion with, you know, good matches against Jeff and, and Sheamus, and uh, I think both, with both of them now going to SmackDown, he's going to get some new challenges, so that's exciting. Um I think Nakamura is doing okay. I I wouldn't see him wrestle a little bit more. I think his his uh, the reign is being used to get Boogs over, which I'm all for. Boogs is great, but you can do both. You you don't have to kind of do both one at or the, the same other. time. You can do both <laughs> at the same time. He just had a great match with Apollo Cruz. Also, now where's where's Apollo Cruz gonna go? Uh, that that's you know that's the thing that I'm a little concerned about because this was the best Apollo Cruz, and you do not let go of someone like that, especially when they just got done doing real good business with your now WWE champion. You want to keep them in a solid position as a mid carder that you can potentially elevate if it makes sense. You don't let them go down that card in that way. You you sort of need to keep them in the mix. And I'm not even saying uh, IC title. I would say. Move him over to Raw. Give Tamian Priest something to do. And give, because Apollo is not only a heel, he has a perfect heater. He has a perfect heater in his bodyguard. So you, you can do things like that. You know, don't be surprised if uh, after the at the conclusion of the, the King of the Ring and the Queen of the Ring tournament, we're going to have the Nigerian royalty, King yes. Apollo. Yeah, I'm, don't be I'm, surprised. Yeah, I won't be. I won't be. And, and honestly, if anyone can make it work, Apollo Crews can make it work. That's true. It'll be better. It'll be better than King Corbin. I'll tell you that much. I agree. I, I wasn't a huge fan of King Corbin. I just think where it led to. It led to, you know, Nakamura becoming interesting, right? <laughs> one, one way or the other. It took it took two years to, to do it, but and it ended up being okay. Uh, yeah. let the record show. Uh anything else? Do you want do you want to talk NXT or do you want to go skip it this week? Oh, uh, we should we haven't touched on NXT a little bit. I think we should 
I think we should address it. I think, <laughs> I think NXT think- 2.0 has been a mixed bag. I'm just going to, yeah. you know, just be very, very straightforward. I think the first, we're now two episodes in, there's a third one happening tonight into the NXT 2.0 era. I think the first episode was surprisingly good, like shockingly. I thought they had a lot of characters and I kind of dug a lot of them. I think Joe Gracie is something that has been long overdue and I'm happy somebody's finally doing it. Uh, Bram Breaker is such an obvious star. I think uh, he kind of broke the internet in the way I think even WWE might not have expected. Um, Juan Wagner looked good in a in a in a triple threat to crown a new or in a four way apologize to crown a new champion. Um, I think it was a good episode, and I think last week's episode was everything we thought it would be. Uh, just a lot of growing pains, matches that don't look particularly good, uh, wrestlers who need a little bit more experience. Uh, and some, you know, kind of uh, sophomore, quote-unquote, edgy humor that, you know, uh, take it or leave it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the first show was interesting. Braun Breaker is an awful name for a future main eventer. It's a terrible name. It's a stupid name. It's an utterly uh, I won't even say disrespectful. It's just a shit name. It's a stupid name. So whoever made that name up should be fired. And if he chose that name, you release him. And then you bring him back in three months when he can think of a better name. That name stinks. Anyone trying to justify the name is stupid. And they should be called as such. Here's the reality. He was working as Rex Steiner, which is a play on his last name, Rex Steiner. Um, you could have used that. Uh, you didn't need to, or you could have been Braun Steiner. Any of these things is fine. Braun Breaker so dumb because the kids, obviously, he's 23, 24 years old. He looks like his daddy. He's got a body like his father's. He's athletic or his body like his uncle's. He's athletic as all get out. His ring work thus far appears to be really good. It's obvious he's going to be the next uh, NXT champion. He's, he's literally Tommaso Ciampa's job is to sacrifice himself for Braun Breaker. You don't have to change that fucking name. Before he, whenever you choose to move him up, you're going to have to change that name in all likelihood. It'd be very, very hard to keep it. No one's sitting there, and I'm not one of these people that say, oh, you, you're trying to hide the Steiner legacy. You can't do that. It's the Steiner brothers. Stop being oh, and, and, they're, and they're also not trying to. I mean, they're just, yeah. such, they're just one of the dumbest fucking things I've heard of the internet. But, they, they call him a dog face gremlin. He yeah. wears the same fucking singlet. And then uh, Rick and, yeah, but, and, oh, but, and the reason. The reason that people are having such a visceral reaction to that I do believe is because the name is so terrible. It is uh, a silly name. It's, it's, it's a disgusting name. But uh, uh, I thought the first episode was cool. Um, I, I, I thought LA Knight was the, the true main eventer of that whole first show. Uh, also, it does show you what they think of him, which is nothing. So and they, and they didn't call him up in the draft. So I don't. So I hope my man got a, I hope he's happy where he's at. Cause he ain't going nowhere else, which is a shame because he's really, really good. And his work is good. His work is very good. He can do whatever it is that you need him to do in the ring. Uh, his, his feud with Cameron Grimes perfectly illustrated that. Um, and he's got a body like an Adonis and can he actually, he can actually talk on the microphone and it doesn't sound forced or contrived. It's very, very natural, but, uh, I don't know they they just, they, I mean, they, I could be wrong, but so far they are showing that they don't see anything in him. So Braun puts him or Braun gets put over by him. Uh, you have, I don't like Von Wagner, uh, Cal Bloom, uh, his, his, he has a his father was a pro wrestler and he's about as good as his dad. Um, which is to say very stiff, very rigid, and he could get better, of course. Um, let's hope that happens. He's big. 
I know they already see him as probably like a main, a rain, a, a, a WrestleMania main eventer in their brain. I thought uh, taking Kyle O'Reilly out and putting him in just to showcase him was stupid. I just didn't think it was a good idea. Um, and everyone had to sort of work around him. And uh, thankfully he knew where to be. Um, but other than that, his work is just, it's not, I don't, I what, not there uh, yet, what, no. yeah, he, it's not, it's not there yet. It might get there. Um, and again, if he's, you know, Hopefully he can get himself there. But I thought that that was a, I thought that was so stupid. I thought that immediately brought down the value of the NXT title. Let's just stick in some guy here who just helped the guy out to be in the main event for the NXT. I thought that was wildly stupid. And that further cemented to me what they think about this brand and what they think about that title in terms of the aesthetics of the, of the show. uh, I liked the color. I don't, I don't mind the colors black and gold. I still thought was cooler, but I do not mind that color so much. I like the fact that the it's more illuminated. Um, I think that's a bit helpful. The crowd seems really cool. Unfortunately, they're all sitting on bleachers, which to me is Bush League. So, and I'll tell you why I think it's Bush League. As a high school athlete, when you play sports, especially if you're playing outdoor sports like track and field, like which I participated in, and football, where's the audience? They're in the stands. What are they sitting on? They're sitting on bleachers. And they're sitting on those types of silver-like light bleachers and i remember watching this and being like this is clearly an indication to us the viewer that this is not a a a, a main level brand you're constantly because why would you have your fans in bleachers because they're watching the high school game they're not watching the pros they're watching high school so i i think they're being very clear in that regard uh i but i also at the same time um you know I still really appreciate Santos Escobar being there. If you're going to call up hit row then Hey, then I, I guess you're going to do something with Santos, which I'm always a fan of because he's excellent. I do think it's the fresh coat of paint that Mandy Rose needs. And I think that could be really, really good. I'm interested to see how Raquel Gonzalez uh, transitions into this. So I think for a lot of the champions and for a lot of the mainstays, it's going to be a matter of what's next for them, because I don't know that for guys like Kyle O'Reilly, L.A. Knight, Johnny Gargano, you know, and even Chiampa. Chiampa seems happy, so he seems like he's just going to stay there. But for those other guys, you know, they may have some thinking to do uh, because I don't see Johnny Gargano having a place on the main roster. Um, but we'll see. Right. Yeah. And maybe maybe the future is elsewhere for them. I mean, I, again, I don't know. I think if Johnny was in the same state of mind, it seemed like as, as Chiampa. But again, maybe it's just kind of people just assuming, you're know, right, because they're kind of so linked together. Um, you know, Cameron Grimes is another guy who we haven't seen on TV at all, which is, uh, you know, he's a personal favorite of mine, so a little bit upsetting. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to one person. I think they've been doing, doing a really good job booking. I think there's a lot of interest with the, the Diamond Mine and the yes. new version of that. I was I was a little worried about them because, of course, after they formed, one of their members got released. I believe Tyler Rust got released like a week after they formed. Uh, that... Uh, faction now looks good. You give Roger Strong, who I thought for the longest time, I think he's as good. I mean, he's, in my opinion, uh, an elite level worker, like on that short list of people we talk about as far as, uh, you know, one of the best in the world. And in the ring, I think Roddy's as good as anyone. I, I've always loved how dynamic he was in the ring and how, you know, and how fundamentally sound his footwork. Uh, I, I think he's got pretty good selling ability. It's, I think he's just incredible. So I'm happy to see him have his own faction. And uh, the Creed brothers, I think, you know, um, 
very similar to the, you know the Steiner brothers, ironically. I like I actually I love those two. I love yeah, I love those two. I love them too, man. They're crazy, they're crazy, they're crazy collegiate wrestling white boys. What's not to love? (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, the Cree brothers is a perfect name for them. Uh, And I think, yeah, and I think uh, having uh, uh, Malcolm as their mouthpiece, I think it just, it's it's all, again, I think it's a cool little faction right there. Malcolm Bivens. Also, can we just, hey, if you have not followed this man on Twitter, you need to start (laughs) because this man. I'm telling you this much. If I was as good at Twitter as Malcolm Bivens is, I'd be a national headliner. This man, <laughs> this man is excellent. Um, but yeah, he really helps bring that faction together. It's really good for Roddy. Um, interesting to see what Kushida does, if anything. Yeah, I think Kushida um, might be on the on the list of guys yeah. who just. Ugh, I don't. Yeah. I don't. You know, we'll find something to do with you, but I think you might just be, you know, like a two year slow sacrifice for whoever we see uh, moving on the draft in 2024. Like, like I say again, Kushida was tired of being a uh, junior heavyweight, came to America only to then work the cruiserweights, which is the same thing. I hope he's happy with what he's doing. And if he's not, I hope he can go somewhere else. Yeah, I think I think those guys, yeah, if, if they have if they have any attention or any thoughts, any aspirations uh, of, of going on. Well, I guess NXT is on national television in front of half a million people. Like the ratings haven't actually. Yeah. Started. I mean, that's yeah, I think, I think, I think they're going to keep going down. Yes. But so far it haven't been as bad as I thought they would be, to be honest. Well, and then, the then that's the, it's clearly getting worse. And the well, yeah, is clearly it, getting it's, lower. Yes. It, it's clearly getting worse intentionally. Which is the, they're, which they're, expect. Yes. When, yeah, when you have got well, all of a sudden, when I can tell that Kevin Dunn's hands is all over this, it's going to get worse. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying like that. I'm saying just more so. Look, though, the point of of the, the NXT before was, hey, we'll, we'll give you the the independent wrestling that you know present to you by WWE. So we'll just as good of matches as possible, as good of feuds as possible, etc. And now it's back to we're here to develop talent. If if something well, yes. good comes out of it, we'll, yeah. we'll I, I mean we'll give you Kushida versus Roderick Strong, which is of course going to be great. But for the most part, this is no longer the point. The point is no well, longer to give you the best possible match and the best possible feuds. Yeah, and it's kind of arrogant on their part when I'm just like, if the if the ratings can, because I don't have any intention of watching tonight. I'll I'll watch on Peacock or something when it's like edited because I don't want to deal with it. Uh, but that but I shouldn't have that attitude because beforehand that was the show to watch. That was the show that you tuned in for, and uh, you're only ensuring that your ratings are going to go down as if you're not on national television on USA and USA has enough. Their, their, their product now is so strong that they have shows that'll do over a million. So WWE can't brag about that anymore that, Oh, we're your only programming that gets you a million. Nah, man. Uh, what suits went and messed the whole game up, bro. <laughs> suits went and turned everything on its head. And now they got enough reality TV. That's like, nah, it's not the case. So it's really interesting of them that they think that they can put forth this product that's more in line with their view of what a developmental talent should be. And that somehow they think that they're going to get higher ratings as a result of it when all the metrics indicate that will not be what happens. We'll see. Again, right now, like I said, the ratings have not changed greatly yet, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I do agree with you. The presentation, in my opinion, is better than what it was before. Uh, Maybe again, we'll see. I don't see them going on tour anytime soon. I don't see like the the old NXT energy where they actually traveled a little bit and we had some like live audience. I, I think that's gone, unfortunately. Yeah, that's done. That's done. That's finished. Which is which is uh saddens me at least. Um anything oh, just a quick thing, NXT UK. Uh I believe is it this week. Uh this yeah. part is gonna be edited out. Ilya Dragunov is gonna defend his title in front of a live crowd finally. 
I have not watched every episode of NXT UK because it's just impossible but to keep up with everything. But uh, I do have the episodes I've seen was a lot of good wrestling in front of an empty crowd. I mean, there was still performed, but not not even like no talent whatsoever. So uh, in 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 the building, so to have like a real life crowd and, and UK crowds are some of the best crowds in the world. Um, so to have Ilya Dragunov finally have his first defense in front of somebody, I believe he's going up against a kid, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, let me double check on this. Sorry about that. Is there something we should have done before the podcast? Yes. Uh, w says the date for Ilya Dragunov versus a kid. It is going to happen on Thursday, October 14th. So not this week, but next week. Um, we can we can talk about it more next time we record. But it's just something to look forward to. Uh, NXT UK it is maybe the most low-key, the, the most prestigious title in all of wrestling. Um, if you just want to look at uh, all the title reigns and all the, the matches it has given us. Um, and it's I'm, I'm happy to see Ilya Dragunov uh, have it and then begin his reign in front of the people. Yeah, it um uh, it'll be exciting to see what he does with it. And speaking of prestigious titles, I was saying you know, I was saying giving you a setup that you missed. Speaking oh, yeah, of I prestigious mean, yeah. titles, the titles that you you know that I know you are a fan of. Uh, Satori, do you want to talk about AEW Dynamite and what has occurred? We have a new TNT champion as Sammy Guevara defeated God's favorite champion, the Redeemer Miro. Uh, you know, on on uh, not this episode of Dynamite, but the one that proceeded to become the new uh, TNT champion uh, to join that lineage of prestigious champions. I do believe that Sammy beat the best TNT champion. No disrespect to Cody. No disrespect to the late great Brody Lee. Um, uh, of course, Darby Allen can be toasted as the best, considering considering he had the longest reign with the most defenses. Um, but Miro's run really just helped elevate the title and he was just a juggernaut of a force and the crowd loved it. The crowd was into it. They were very, very hyped for it. Sammy, the Spanish God is incredibly over. They are incredibly physically gifted and talented. I did not want Sammy to win. I was not happy that Sammy won. Not the biggest Sammy Guevara fan. It's not my cup of tea. He's a person who sells the moment and doesn't sell the match. And is just incredibly athletic. So even when he won and he beat the Redeemer Miro, he got up as if they really hadn't had a match. And the first thing he did was grab the title and, you know, yeah, type of thing. When you just beat the guy who was killing everyone, which I felt was a little disrespectful um, to the work that Miro had done. And also, hey, they're putting the title on you. Put that other guy over while you've also you can do you can do both. Actually, I mean, listen. Hey, man, I know a lot of y'all are not with it, but Bret Hart showed y'all every day. You can do both. You can get over and put someone over or you can put someone over while still getting over. The, the, the best there is, best there was, the best there ever will be showed you that constantly. And not enough of you learned a lesson this man gave you. But you watch your Shawn Michaels. He's like, that's how it's done. That's nothing. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. And let's be honest, if 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 WWE and not that they haven't, but when WWE does things like this, we get much more. Uh, they get much more roasted than than with the than than AEW does because Miro you had and the guy who was undefeated in your company for damn near almost what over a year now uh, a year, long yeah. time he yeah. a very long time without being uh, pinned in the singles matches he has become a monster has become one of the most 
powerful champions. And honestly, one of the guys that is slowly becoming a fan favorite in the process. Like, I think everybody was becoming a fan of his work. And for you to beat him kind of randomly, I mean, yeah, you had... What were the... I mean, the interactions was... Uh, the, like the few came out of nowhere. It wasn't much hyped match. And yes, it he was, was he was he was just he was just, he was just be, he was beating up Fuego del Sol, and exactly. then Sammy said, "Don't beat up my friend." Yeah, that's it. It wasn't. It, 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 I feel like this was you had a, a character that was more popular, more dominant. He deserved a little bit more than that. That's yes, it. And and I, I, I thought yeah. the match was fine for what it was. Uh, yeah. Meltzer gave it four stars because, of course, Meltzer loves everything AW. Um, uh, yeah, uh, but that's but th- I think that's more of a credit. Let's be fair though. That's more of a credit to Miro. I think that's more. I think that match, like the good that you can find in that match, I think is more of a credit to Miro. To be to be fair, it was good. So no, I, no, I it can was, go back and watch it, it again. But I'm, it was a very yeah, standard but, good match. You the heel, the big heel beats up the little guy for a very long time. Slows down the match. Slows it down. Shows that he's more powerful. Reminds everybody how powerful he is. Uh, the crowd was actually getting a little bit out of it. And then, of course, the uh, uh, Sammy hits the Spanish fly, gets the crowd back into it. That's a few powerful moves. Uh, Miro stops the comeback uh, and then, you know, loses the. I, I didn't like the finish. I don't know why he didn't take off everything. Neither, neither, neither Made him look I. like an idiot, low key. Um, so not only did he, does he lose by, you know, kind of lose, get his first loss out of nowhere, he also does by being an idiot. So just. I don't know. As, as a fan of big fan of Miro's work, I just was not a fan of this particular booking. Um, now I do I do want to say this as it relates to titles like the TNT title. Now uh, Tony now I Tony Khan proved me right in this play. He does not view it as a secondary title. He's actually I do not view this as a secondary title. And I, I like I said from the beginning, it's a world television title, so it actually has it's a it's a title for a national and international uh, uh, TV outlet. So it can't be secondary. Uh, but like the television title of years past, it's defended constantly. It's the most defended title on all across WWE and, 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 um, and AEW uh, before they started doing the, the U S title open once again, but that's only been a couple weeks, but it's been the most consistently defended title since its inception. You have to wrestle with it all the time. And much like the world television title title changes can happen out of nowhere because of how frequently it's defended. I remember seeing it all the time with the world television title where Ricky Steamboat one time lost to Scott Steiner, like Reagan, not even big Papa pump, like Scott Steiner in like 91. You say like it was like, but that was what could happen because the title was defended so incredibly frequently. Um, so I, I, understand. I haven't told that story because they did a good job. Something like that. Sorry to interrupt. Was uh, I just remembered that I don't know if you remember when Seth Rollins was into continental champion, that was the type of champion he was. It was defended almost every day, and like he seeked out challenges. And I remember he just beat I see Tyler actually main event in that pay per view. I don't know what it was, but he beat Dolph Ziggler in a match. On that pay per view, which was main event, and then next night in Raw, he defended against Dolph Ziggler again, and Ziggler beat him this time. And it, got, it was done to show, hey, this is what happens when you defend the title every night. Eventually, someone is going to sneak up on you. Well, I re- no, I remember that it was it was a thirty minute Iron Man match that Ziggler actually did win, yeah. and okay. and everyone shitted on the match because they booked it totally wrong because WWE is incompetent in this regard. Mm-hmm. They booked the match terribly. They had the babyface go up like four nothing. It was like the and then the heel has to like and the audience shit on it. Because you could have those two great guys in there, but if you book the match like a fucking idiot, the audience is going to see it. Um, But I do think, but with the TNT title is more like the world television title, the title change can just happen. Like, it's like, okay, you lost tonight. You know what I'm saying? Even when Darby lost to Miro, it wasn't this great big building. Like, it's the establishment. No, but you you, you were building Miro to be a monster. Hold on, hold on. 
but you but Sammy was over whether we like it or not. Sammy was over the things that he was doing. The people loved it. Like, that's what that is. So even then it was like, oh, Sammy's going to step on. I, I listen, I thought Miro was going to squash him and I was happy. To, I thought he was going to smash him as Roman is obsessed with saying Roman, stop saying smash as dif- if it has a different connotation. If from where in the hood, okay, you say we the ones when you appropriate black culture, learn all of our terminology, please. Uh, like, uh, but but like, I thought he was gonna crush him, and then it just went that different way again. Not what I would have done, but you know, they felt the time was now, and Sammy is white hot. I don't get it, but he is. Well, you know, they, they told him, they told the fans that they're important, like I said. AEW still has the, the the thing of the the but the fans won't succeed so much when they if they telegraph something the fans will do it, but they have AEW has told the fans hey Britt Baker is somebody who is important to our women's division and the fans got on board with it. Uh, you I, know I, no, I, I think saying, I think I think that was the fans actually telling AEW she's our person because Britt was awful as a baby face and then they booed her and then she turned and then the audience said we cannot get enough. And I will never forgive the audience for that. And and they AEW very much just told you on 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 the same episode of Dynamite. Hey, there are four pillars of AEW: MGF, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, and and the Sammy. And you better have you better go get behind them, all four of them. Uh, and and then to be fair, they have and they have made them look good. Uh, MGF versus Darby Allen is the next feud for the two of them. I think it will be fine. I don't know. I'm MGF has. I think he's he's good in the ring. He's not. He doesn't show me anything. I'm starting to get tired of his promos. His promos are just becoming very bell rappy, where you just kind of say the most hurtful thing that's obvious to me. I'm like, this is what I would have done if I was a heel, I guess, which is good. But like, if I can, but that's what, but that's what actual heels do. Rick Rude did that all the time. That's what actual. That's Shane Douglas did it all the time. So he's actually being a proper heel. That's what the heel is supposed to. That's what the heel is classically supposed to do. Ric Flair all the time. I'm gonna. I just want that to be a little bit more of a story. Besides that, hey, he just said some horrible shit to him, and now he's angry. I mean, yeah, but you have to build from there. And what I will say to that is, is that uh, I think their matches will be good because of Darby, because Darby's excellent. Darby's Um, so I think so I think those matches will be very very good. And again, it's one of those things like they're. It's about getting those guys to the same level at the same time because they are their stars, company-based, company-grown, and you have to build them up that way. Even though they've all been on the independents, even though uh, MJF was more for MLW, uh, you know, Darby was uh, with that promotion where he just allowed Ethan Page to kill him every night. CCW, I believe. I believe that was CCW. Yeah, he did some stuff with them. Uh, But yeah, but, you know, I I think that'll be good uh, because of that. I do. We'll see. I, I, I have I have some expectations for it, but I guess not not the highest of highs for that program. Uh, let's talk about this. Adam Cole and Jungle Boy. They had a match that Meltzer gave four and a half stars to because, again, it's Meltzer. Uh, any thoughts on uh, on the match? Uh, Jungle Boy is incredibly over and is very, very good. I like I love Jack Perry. Adam Cole is what Adam Cole is. I thought they put together a good match based on that particular wrestling style. Uh, I understand giving Adam Cole the win and you want to give him the win on TV would have preferred it not to be against jungle boy. Uh, but hopefully if they run that back at a certain time in a certain place where the stakes are higher and it matters more, then you can get more out of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was cool for what it was. And um, I'm a Jack Perry fan. And the coolest thing about Adam Cole is his entrance music. It's been a while since jungle boy or Jurassic Express got a dub. I feel like yeah, they need I think that I feel like they just need dubs on TV. 
you know, they need dubs of note. And that's why I was just like, that's not the, that's not the person. Yeah, I haven't had one in a while. They're still over, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, they're still wildly over. And, uh, but, and they will remain so because they do get wins. It's just not on national television, which you should change. Fair enough. Uh, and then with us, oh, but let's talk about the most important thing. We, we forgot the most important thing that happened on, on Dynamite. And that's uh, Arn Anderson talked about his Glock. Who knew that Arn kept that thing on him? Who knew that Arn keeps one in the chamber? Case you ponder it. Uh, that was a very, very important promo. It did a lot of things. One, Lee Johnson being more assertive and being like, I'm going to be the one to get us this win and everything because Cody's having a crisis of conscience. And I do believe in Cody's uh, instincts. So I think he has known for some time what is happening. Um, and this is a way for them to really dig into that idea because Cody got to switch it up and because he's giving us Cody light and that's not what we want. That's not what we care for. Uh, you're on reality TV. We like you even less, you know, you got to lean in. And again, like I've said before, the thing that people forget is that Cody, when he was a heel was the heel. He was on the independence and in new Japan and, and ring of honor and everywhere in TNA doing amazing work as a piece of shit. Um, and, you know, again, he was doing what a lot of you guys think MJF is doing. So um, he got to do something. He got to do something. He's kind of he's painted himself into a corner with the Cody verse and the Cody verse sticks out too loud. So he's got to do something. And Arn basically says, hey, man, I don't want no losers right with me, which puts a different dynamic on this thing, because that to me, that's compelling, because what's Cody going to do? I actually don't know. I know what I think he should do. But I actually don't know what he's going to do. But it's clear to Arn, who Arn is basically the audience right now. It's clear to Arn. It's clear to Lee Jackson. It's clear to the Nightmare family. It's clear to the audience. Cody got to do something. Because what he's doing ain't enough. Shout out to Lee Johnson for, again, Lee Johnson, you know, uh, is actually looking good. I thought you might be like uh, just another person sacrificed for, you know, Malachi Black. Uh, they're doing something with him, keeping him strong. That's good. Uh, anything else you want to mention? The Rampage, I don't think it, it's a good wrestling show. There's been some good wrestling matches. Uh, Jay Cargill yeah. looks strong, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know her chair good. shots. Boy, those chair shots need work. They but, need a lot know. of work. Well, you know, she don't want to hurt nobody. Uh, <laughs> and then you can wind up hurting somebody. Uh, but no, Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson was excellent. You know, as I figured it would be, it was good to see cattle mutilation, get, get, pick up the win, which is a move I literally haven't seen in close to a decade. So that was cool. Again, um, dynamite is such a show or rampage rather is such a show that I think it's always important for the audience at home to understand that that is taped immediately after dynamite. So that is about five hours of wrestling. The audience is still in it and they're still all the way but if you sit there and you wonder yourself how come they're not pop popping as hard because they just saw that person come out three hours ago and cut a promo <laughs> that's yep. why and now they've had to sit through three hours more of wrestling and some of them want to get drunk but the drinks are like 17 fucking dollars so you know it's tough it, having been having sat through the the, the tapping the taping for the the two-hour rampage uh you are precisely correct sir um, and yeah, because it's it's you have elevation being taped first, then you have rampage, or sorry, dynamite, and of course rampage. Uh, which maybe they should switch those. So they should probably tamp rampage, tape rampage first, since that is the one that goes on TNT. Um, 
Anything else you want to talk about, sir? Or do you uh, want I, would, to... I, I want a match of the week, this bad boy. Let's go. I think it's time. I do want to just to get a little something for us to remember. Next time we get, we'll talk. I we have yet to talk about the the plane ride from hell episode. Yeah. I yeah, think we, we, we've already went a little bit long today. So let's let's save this one for when we don't go long, if that ever happens. Um, we'll do it the same day. We'll we'll cover John Cena's Instagram. Without further ado, uh, Satoyo, what is your match of the week? You know, guys, I stayed kind of current there for a little bit. I want to go all the way back in time because we've been seeing so much of Sting. And I want to go back to Sting's first title, world title victory, world's heavyweight title victory, to be most specific. I'm going to take you guys back to the Great American Bash of 1990. Sting versus Ric Flair for the NWA World's Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. This was out of Baltimore, Maryland. It is such a fun easy match to get through everything in it makes sense sting was just coming off a ruptured patella which back then was kind of a career ender he was supposed to uh face rick flair i believe at capital carnage which would have been in february so the turn so him winning would have actually happened there uh but he was out for four months keep in mind everyone thought he may never wrestle again so somehow miraculously his body healed he got himself into uh competent enough shape to get back into the ring and him and Ric Flair just had a really, really fun match. It's so simple. Both guys look great. So give that one a look. It's on uh, the network. I'm going to go into something that I think is a very, very interesting. It's, it's a time on the Indies. It's 2018, right before AW uh, was conceived. And there was a lot of very interesting things happening looking back on it. You had the relationship between Ring of Honor and NWA and... Um, and New Japan, and you kind of had people going back and forth and multiple stories being told, and of course, out of that, AEW emerged. But before that, you had a really good card called the Super Card of Honor in New Orleans, happening, I believe, the rest of the WrestleMania weekend. Um, And on that, there's lots of matches you can choose from. I'm sure I'll choose my favorite match, which is probably not the one that Satoya would have chose, uh, given that Cody versus... um, I just got Nick Aldis happened in that pay-per-view, and that was excellent. But the match I'm choosing is Cody Ibushi, who, uh, for my money, is probably, if I had to gun to my head, is probably my favorite wrestler in the world, and especially at that point was still in his prime. Going up against Hangman Page, a person I heard of at the time, but didn't quite get the hype for. I thought this was Hangman's best match at that point, uh, and I thought they absolutely delivered. I thought they had really, really just a solid, fun match. Uh, 18 minutes long, yet they kind of show you why, you know, New Japan was just pumping out classics every other day at that point. Um, and, yeah, just give it a watch. And uh, if, especially if you don't get the high behind Kole Bushi, I think he fully delivers it. Yeah, agreed 100%. All right. And I think that will do it for us, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great uh, have a great afternoon. Have a great evening whenever you listen to this. Have a great week. Have a great 10 days or so. We will be back soon. Take care. <laughs>